Hey, we've got uh, a series that we're on. We've got two more installments, we could say, lessons that we're going to be doing on uh, Sunday morning in the book of James. I hope you've been enjoying it. James, by way of reminder, is the half-brother of Jesus. His book's got five chapters. It's toward the end of the New Testament. If you ever read it, uh, you could read it really kind of quickly. He's talking about some super practical things. He'll hit some real kind of like spiritual things, if you will. It's all spiritual, but, but very, very practical. And uh, today we're going to kind of get, again, our, our, this is like our sixth le- lesson or so. And we've got one more next week, and we'll kind of button it all up and go in a new direction That's you know next couple of, of weeks and toward the end of the year. Uh, but today let's just talk about this one thought all day where James hits really hard, and it's really just centered on the will of God. Come on, can you say that with me? The will of God. Uh, If you don't know, the minute you surrender your life to Jesus, and even before you surrender your life to Jesus, he has a will and a plan, an assignment for your life. He has a direction for your life. And I'm convinced that if you'll know it, if you'll be open to hear it, and you'll be open to respond to it, your life will make sense, maybe where it hasn't made sense up until now. Uh, James, again, has got a lot to say about this, and something that Kimberly and I have always consistently asked ourselves, and it'd be a question if you came to talk to me about anything. If you want to have some kind of appointment, <laughs> I'd ask you, well, what's the will of God? And so we're going to find out that we can actually fulfill the will of God. We can understand the will of God. We can flow in the will of God. Because something that we have found, Kimberly and I, that if you will get and know the will of God for your life, things will just start happening for you that maybe haven't happened up until now. And I'm about you, but I want that happening. Come on, we need it to happen. Uh, and so look with me, uh, I'll have a bunch of scriptures on, the, on the, you know, the screen behind me and some different translations and have some key points. So I encourage you to just kind of lean in. And, and if you're today kind of going, well, man, the will of God, okay, I kind of know what God wants me to do right now. But, but can I tell you something? Maybe next month you're going to need this. Uh, maybe next year you're really going to need this. So, so just so you kind of know some ground rules uh, concerning the will of God, I, I don't think that you need to go to your, your closet this morning and say, God, what's the will of God, brown or blue shirt? I don't think you need to go down and open up the, your, your cupboards and go, cereal, is it checks or, 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 or toasted oats? I, I, I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that. God gives you a brain and he gives you desire. You can choose whatever you want to choose as long as it matches. Can I get an amen? As long as it matches. But there's major decisions in your life like, who should I date and who should I marry? Where should I live? Where shouldn't I live? What career path should I pursue? What career path shouldn't I pursue? What church should I go to? What church shouldn't I go to? What should I believe? What shouldn't I believe? All along and concerning the will of God and the purpose of God for your life. So let's lean in and let's see what James says. I'll read it to you from Matthew, or excuse me, James 4, and I'll read it from the Passion Translation. Look on the screen. James says this, Listen, those of you who are boasting, keep that in mind, Today or tomorrow, we'll go to another city, spend some time and go into business and make heaps of profit. But you don't have a clue what tomorrow may bring. For your fleeting life is but a warm breath of air that is visible in the cold only for a moment and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands, and if he is willing... We will live life to its fullest and do this or do that. But here you are boasting 
in your ignorance. For to be presumptuous about what you'll do tomorrow is evil. Man, James is just, again, super practical, and he's just crushing us all that he tells us some really important things that I hope you're getting, and we'll spend some time next 35 minutes or so trying to unpack this and seeing some different things that different New Testament writers said concerning the will of God. We'll look at a couple of different stories from the scriptures that really point and show us what the will of God looks like, and we're going to give you four thoughts about what not to do, and you're going to be blessed, I believe, for being in the house of the Lord today. Can I get an amen up in here? Yeah. James, just right off the bat, tells us that life is brief, life is temporal, life is short-lived, life is vanishing. It's like a mist. It's like we've got misters back here. It's not like smoke. It's just vapor, you know. It's, it's, it's water-based. And so it's here, and, and you know, you've been to the concerts and the shows. It's so the lights glisten a little bit, and you kind of get the full effect of the light. Nothing's going on right now. We kind of shut it off while I'm preaching because we don't want a rock show. Come on, somebody. But you can see what happens. You can see when it comes out, and you can see when it's gone. It's here for just a moment. James says, that's your life. That's your and my life. It's here, we know, you know, 80 years, 90 years. Man, you can live a long life, 90, you know. But he says it's brief, and it's, it's, it's fleeting. And James is telling us here that your life is not your own, that the minute you surrender your life to Jesus, you give up the lordship of your life. You and I are no longer our own lord. So every decision we make, every desire, and every way we go has to be directed towards, God, what do you want? Lord, what do you see? God, what do you want to do in my life? What do you want to do through my life? We are regularly told from Jesus' own mouth that we have to lay down our own lives, take up our cross, His will, His direction, His plan, and pursue it. That's what James is telling us, that God's got a will, God's got a direction, God's got a plan, God's got a purpose for your life. So the question would then be, do you know it? And if you don't know it, and you've surrendered your life to Jesus, then what we're doing is we're going through life, doing our own thing, wanting God to bless something that maybe he hasn't said is blessed for you. It could be blessed for them. It could be purposeful for them. It could be the will of God for them. But just because it is for them doesn't mean it is for you. James says several things from this in the first couple scriptures that we just read concerning this guy or this gal about boasting and doing their own thing. He said that this person would say something like this. I, I've got a place that I'm going. I'm going to the city. That's what he says. I know how long I'll be there. The translation other than this says, I'm going to be gone a year. I know the time frame. I'm going to be gone a year. I know the thing that I'll be doing. I'm going to be in business, and my business will be buying and selling. And then lastly, just simply says, I'm going to make heaps of money. Come on, anybody ever heard that? It's a no-lose proposition. So listen to me. Your life, your life will succeed to the point of your submission to the will of God. Your life will succeed to the point of your submission to the will of God. 
Now, now, I'm not the guy that believes, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and I'm not the guy that believes that, that if, you're, if you're young and you're looking to marry and, and you're dating or whatever, you're think, maybe you're not even dating, you're in that kind of zone, or, or maybe you've been divorced and you're going to get in the game again. I don't believe, I, I firmly don't believe it and don't see it from scripture, that there is one man for every woman. I, I believe there's, a, I believe there's a, what people say, a match made in heaven, like somehow God said there's one person on the earth, and if you don't marry that one person, you're just cursed. That's crazy thinking. But there are people, of course, that you know from personalities and direction and, 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 and just the connection and where they're going and where I'm going. You know, and through the process of dating, through the process of wise counsel, you can sense God's direction and God's will and God's purpose for your life. Uh, so th- there are major decisions that we need to make all the time, like I said earlier, that have to have the DNA, the fingerprint, the, the breath of God, the life of God on it to fulfill his purpose or mandate. Or else there will always be that itch. There will always be, it's kind of like somebody said, you're, you're washing your feet with your socks on. It, it's always like, man, I, I don't know, kind of just something's just not right. It's just not right because maybe you're doing your own thing and not the thing that God wants you to do with your life. Now, now let, let me say this for all our, uh, for all you crazy planners out there that are the type whatever personality, God bless you and we love you. But so, so just we're on the same page is that God's not against planning. He's not against planning, but he has to be the architect of your life goal and your plan. It's not just, I'm going to plan my life and I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk to you, God. I'm not going to get wise counsel. I'm not going to read your word. This is my life. I want you to get me out of hell. I want to go to heaven and I want your blessing and I want your protection. I want some health and I want some money, but let me do what I want to do with my life. That's not how this game, if I could call it that, works. You have got to have God's will in every area of your life. What I found from God's will is that God's will has already got God's DNA in it, and so it's already blessed, and it will already be successful. It doesn't mean it's not going to be challenging. It doesn't mean there won't be obstacles. It doesn't mean there won't be setbacks. But at the end of the day, you've already checked the box, I am in God's will. Can I get a better amen up in the room here? Look at this scripture from from the New Testament. I love it from the Amplified Bible. Paul writes this in Ephesians 2, verse 10. Check it out. He says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. That's you. That's me. Recreated in Christ Jesus. We're born anew or we're born again. We're Christians. We're children of God. That we may do those good works. Check this out. Which he predestined, planned beforehand for us. That we would take paths, which he prepared ahead of time that we would walk in them, that we would live the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. And when I read this scripture, it's just like crazy that, that God's made a plan for me. God's got direction for me. God's got a will for me. God's got purpose for me. God, God's got something, an assignment on my life that he's already prearranged for me. He's already prepared for me. He's already predestined for me. So it's my job now to discover that. It's my job to surrender to that. It's my job to position my life that once I know it, to keep running hard in the middle of it. And if I don't know it, I got to find it. And when I find it, I got to just keep going after it. It's prearranged. It's prearranged. One more time. It's prearranged. 
It's, 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 it's like, it's like, you know, years ago, I can't remember, you know, the, the move that bus dude that was working on the DIY thing, you know, the, the, the show and he would come in and the team would come in and they would, they would surprise a family. They'd send them out on a cruise or whatever. And this was a family that was in neglect, a family that was in need, a family that was, that was gone through crazy stress. And the team would come in there and they'd just take care of the whole house. They'd make everything brand new. And all they did, it was, it was all, they just went away and they came back and there it was. It was prearranged. It was done. New furniture. New, new, come on, all kinds of new stuff. God says, I've got this for you, but you've got to follow me. Got to follow me. Got to follow me. You can't do your own thing. You can't want your own way because God will say, I'll let you go your own way. That's what he does. That's what he does. So what I found about God, though, is that most of the time, rarely does it look like his will is prearranged. It looks like you've got to be kidding me. That doesn't look like that could ever possibly be your will because it looks like chaos. It looks like loss. It looks like less. That's where the scriptures over and over tell us and really talk to us guys about we walk by faith and not by what? Come on, sight. That's what it says. We don't walk by what it looks like. We don't walk by what it feels like. We don't walk by the outward circumstances. We walk by what the Word of God says and the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. Again, if I got you one-on-one, -on -one, the first thing I'd ask you if you're talking to me about all these different things, I would say and ask you a couple questions. Number one, what does the Word say? What does the Word say? Does the Word say yes or does the Word say no? Because you're never going to get God to say yes to something He's already said no to in the Word. A guy years ago, 50, gosh, my goodness, 18, probably 17 years ago now, right after we first moved, maybe 17 and a half years ago. I'll never forget, a guy came up after prayer one Sunday. He had been in church for a little bit. We had just been here for a couple months, and he came up. He said, Pastor Gary, I want you to, I want you to pray for my business. I want you to pray that God would bless my business. And I, I just had a check inside me. Generally, I'd just say, hey, give me your hand. Come on. I'd start preaching, praying, prophesying. You know what I'm saying? Come on. You know what I'm saying? Like, God bless them. Come on, angels of heaven, go before them. Open up doors. No man can open. Shut doors. Father, rain money from heaven. Come on, you know those kind of prayers? Come on, somebody. Come on, right? <laughs> but, but that, come on, right up in here where the Holy Spirit lives, in your center of your being, in your belly. Come on, some of y'all's bellies are bigger than others, but in your belly, right there. You got a big Holy Spirit, right? Come on, in your belly. Come on. Out of your belly, he'll flow of rivers. So he lives right in here, right in the center of your being. Right in the center of my being, I just had a check. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of like, just, just kind of like, pause it, pause it, Gary. You need to ask the brother a question. So I pumped the brakes a little bit. And I said, hey, what kind of business are you wanting God to bless? And the brother said this, I'm going to start an escort business. And I went, well, that's why I hadn't heard that one before, <laughs> up in church. And so I said, brother, come on, you smoking crack or something. I went off on him. I mean, I just, I just went off on him. I went off on him. I probably didn't say anything holy. I just went off on him. And I said, man, you're crazy. God's not going to bless that. You're out of the will of God. God doesn't want, come on. So I just went down the road with what the scripture says, right? Completely not following the scripture. So I would ask you, what's the scripture say? And then I would come back and I'd ask you this, and I'd say this. Romans 8, 14 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. You're a son of God right now. You're a daughter of God, right? You made Jesus the Lord of your life. Well, then you're going to be led by the Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit saying? 
And that will always be the litmus test for our lives. Number one, what's the Word say? And what's the Holy Spirit saying to you personally? But so many of us have so much racket in our lives and so much noise that we sometimes don't hear what the Holy Spirit's really saying. So what James is attacking, James is attacking in this portion of Scripture our arrogance and our boasting about our own life and us being in control of our own life and doing our own thing without God's guidance and counsel. Again, God gave you a brain. Use it. God gave you a plan. You're a planner. Absolutely. But you have to have a box at the end of that or a box at the beginning of that to say, God, what do you say about this? What do you say about me moving here? What do you say, college student, about my future and my education? God, what do you say about this person I'm dating? God, what do you say about this opportunity? This guy in James says, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm going to go to the city. I know exactly how long I'm going to be there. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up an import-export business, and I'm going to be rich. James says, you're a fool. Life is fleeting. Life is brief. You're arrogant. You're presumptuous. You're boasting because you have not brought God into that picture. Romans 12, too. Look at it real quick. We regularly come back to the scripture because it's a scripture you can't get away from in your life, no matter what season of life you're in. Romans 12, too, the apostle Paul writes and says this, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Notice the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. I don't believe that it's a journey, guys. I don't believe all of a sudden one day you get into the good will of God, and then you're hanging around for a while, bumping around, and you kind of like graduate, and you get into the acceptable will of God. And then one day in Jesus' name, you finally get into the perfect will of God. I don't believe that's what the Scripture's saying. I believe you're either in the will of God or you're out of the will of God. And if you're in the will of God, it's good, acceptable, and it's perfect. And if you're not in the will of God, it will not be good, acceptable, and or perfect. You will be on your own. Let me tell you story. Years ago, this is 1985 or so. Kimmer and I got married in 1984, so really it's probably 84-ish up until 85, the January of 85. We got married in Oklahoma. Kimberly was from there, went to Bible school. We met there, and, and I, I, my story is she chased me down like a dog on a flea, man. And I'm telling you what, I just, I said yes, and I married her, and best decision of my life. Come on, somebody say amen up in there, yeah. That's my story. She's got a different story, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm preaching this morning. So. Uh, so, so there we were in Oklahoma. We had a desire to be in full-time ministry, but God really put the brakes on us and said, I don't want you to get in full-time ministry for a year. We just had that. God's always been so good to us about talking to us specifically like that. Don't, we don't want you to get involved. I don't want you to be involved in a year. Y'all need to be married together and just kind of do marriage and know one another and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, so, so we just kind of put the brakes on all that opportunities. But as, you know, the months went on, we, we wanted to jump involved and, and get involved and have, see what God was doing. Uh, so uh, I started having some opportunities came my way to, to be a youth pastor, to be an associate pastor. I was young, man, 20, just 24, going to be 25 there pretty soon. And uh, uh, a guy contacted me from Kentucky, and he said, 
I want you to come. And man, your, your resume and the people. And I, in fact, I, I grew up in Tennessee, so he knew my former pastor. And it was only probably four hours away, five hours away from where I grew up. So I thought, man, that'd be kind of be cool. It'd be close to my family, you know, and where I grew up. And, and, and the, the opportunity was phenomenal. They had just built a brand new, uh, uh, they had a cool church building, but a, another secondary building with a full gymnasium. I was huge into sports. And, and they wanted me to be the youth pastor and, and then to help with associate pastor work and to be able to be just kind of go up from the ground level of this church that was really growing and being successful. And, and they, had, they wanted me to run uh, programs in the community for basketball and volleyball. I played volleyball in college, loved basketball. Really, I'm a, I'm a white man in a black man's body, and, and uh, I love basketball, except I can't jump real good anymore. But, but uh, so, so the, the pastor said, I'm, I'm going to send you plane tickets. I'm going to send you these plane tickets, and, and you're going to fly, fly in. I want you to come in. I want you to preach. And so I said, man, send them things, man. We can't wait. And, and while the plane, now come on, this is back in the day before you go on, on you know, Expedia or wherever you get your plane tickets. And there's, there's no internet. Come on, somebody. There's no internet. And so the plane tickets kind of came by mail. And while they're, before they came to our little apartment, on the inside, come on, in my belly where the Holy Ghost lives, I got this check saying, I didn't tell you to go. And I went, but I want to go. But I want to be in ministry. Don't you want us to be in ministry? You said that you want us to be in ministry. And here's an opportunity right here. And so those plane tickets came. And we're wrestling, man. I got this wrestling match. Anybody been like that? You got this wrestling match on the inside, man, that you're going, God, what are you doing? This looks amazing. This is everything I want. Everything I, everything I believe is perfect for me. And so he sends the plane tickets. And when I got the plane tickets, I called him, Pastor Harrison. I called him back. And I said, Pastor Harrison, man, I got these plane tickets and I just don't have the green light, man. I can't get clearance. I, I just can't, I, I can't go. And, and, and man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for wasting your time. I feel like a fool. Uh, man, you're, you know, been in ministry forever. You took a shot at us. And man, I'm sorry. So I sent the plane tickets back. And when I sent the plane tickets back, I had plane tickets sending back remorse. So I got thinking about it. I got thinking about it. And I got thinking about it. And before the plane tickets in three days back, you know, come on. How many know it took at least three days to get anything? across the world or across town, the mail. Before they went back, I called Pastor Harrison. I said, Pastor Harrison, I changed my mind. Send the plane tickets to me again. Listen, I changed my mind, but God didn't change his mind. Pastor Harrison sent the plane tickets back, and we went to Kentucky. And it looked like everything was perfect. But on the inside, I'm going, what? am I doing here? It looks great. It's wonderful. Everything is exactly the way it, I thought it would be. But on the inside, it was just terrible. I've got this wrestling match on the inside concerning, are you going to submit to the will that I have for your life? Man, we preached, we went home, and it got awfuler because after preaching, they wanted you. Everybody wanted you to be there. Come on, we're just so wonderful. <laughs> Why are y'all laughing like that? Come on, I'm just kidding. I'm just putting up with it. And I sent the plane, you know, I just told him, I said, Pastor Harrison, we just can't come. I don't know what, we just can't come. He was mad and I was mad and everybody was mad. 
but Jesus was happy. Um, and we wound up taking a job in Tennessee where I grew up. The opening happened at the church that I grew up in, and they wanted us to come back there. Somebody just talked about the will of God just personally. Tennessee, where I grew up, <laughs> they could pay us $1,000 a month. Now, I don't know. You can't really live anywhere in $1,000 a month. You can't live anywhere now in $1,000 a month. And back then, you sure couldn't either. Kentucky was going to pay us about $3,000 a month. And we went here to Tennessee, and we learned, and God helped us, and God worked in us. And from that point, God led us. Of course, we were in Canada for 13 years. But I just don't know. I think so many times we look at all these external things. If we're making more money, if I'm going to be more happy, if my boss really likes me, if I love this city, if it's got Starbucks on every corner or a nice coffee shop, if it's got good shopping, if it's close to Mexican food, come on somebody, then that must be the will of God. Can I tell you, that's not how God thinks. Your mind and your will is going to have to be renewed to how God thinks. And he's not a man. He doesn't think like you and me. So just look on the screen for a couple things based on this Romans 12 I think is important. Before you're ever going to do the will of God, your mind's going to have to be renewed. So just, just figure that out. Before you're ever going to do the will of God, you're going to start thinking like God thinks. And the only way to think like God thinks is you're going to start reading God's word. That a, a, a renewed or transformed, transformed and a renewed mind, a transformed and a renewed mind is going to walk in God's perfect will. That's what he says. It's going to walk in God's perfect will. If it's transformed and it's renewed, being renewed. Being renewed. And you can't know God's will until you know God's mind. That's why the daily soaking of the word, the daily just being in God's presence, saying, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with me? There's going to be a battle. This, I'm telling you, there's going to be a battle. There's going to be decisions that you make or decisions you don't make. And the problem is that we generally siphon them through what do I want? Who cares what I want? When he saved me and delivered me, and changed my life, I signed up for the whole package. I have all of you, and now I'm giving you all of me. Amen. Can somebody say amen up in here? <laughs> Hopefully you've done that. It's a process, because can I tell you, there's always going to be a battle. There's always going to be a battle concerning the will of God. Uh, King David was a phenomenal Old Testament leader. Uh, many of us know about him. We read the Psalms, and he's, he's in the lo a lot of the pages. Starts out in, in 1 Samuel, and he's over there in 1 Samuel, and, and 2 Samuel, and 1 and 2 Kings, and, and we read about his life. He's phenomenal. New Testament writers write about him as so. Uh, David had this one enemy that tracked him down his entire life. They were the Philistines. I mean, you probably have heard about uh, uh, Goliath, right, of Gath. He was a Philistine, right? Second uh, Samuel chapter 5 tells a story. It's a crazy story that, that all of a sudden these Philistines, they deployed themselves, here's what it says, in the valley of Rephaim. And the valley of Rephaim actually means the valley of the giants. And it's kind of interesting, the side story is that the enemy always wants to get you on his battleground, 
<laughs> always wants to get you in darkness and fear and insecurity and doesn't look right. Always wants to get, get, get you in where he can win. Uh, get you out of light, get you out of the church, get you out of a small group, get you, get you with some crazy people. Uh, and so David actually asked this as the enemy Philistines surround him. David asked God, should I attack? God, should I attack? And God says, yes. And so David goes after the enemy. The scripture says this. He routed the enemy. It actually says this. When David went after the enemy, God went after the enemy too. So just by the way, that God's not moving after your enemy until you move toward your enemy. That when you move, he moves. Uh, it's, it's a chess match. You got the first move, not God. And it says this, that as, as, as David was fighting the enemy, God fought for him and, and God broke through like the breakthrough of many waters. And David actually named that place. God, you're the master of breakthroughs. It's crazy. Come on. How many of you God will still break through in your life today? Yeah, yeah, he will. Yeah, he will. But, but the story continues. It's crazy. You keep reading it in 2 Samuel 5. It says that the Philistines again came to the same valley, the Valley of Rephaim. They came to fight David again. Same guy. Same battlefield. And David does something crazy. I don't know if I'd have done this. I'd probably look at it and go, here they come again. Let's fight, boys. Not David. David goes to God, guys. And he says, what do you want me to do? And God says, I'm glad you asked. Don't go fight forward. Circle around behind them. And when you come behind them, I'm going to cause a stirring in the trees. And you're going to hear a noise in the trees. And you're going to know, that's me. And go after the enemy. And sure enough, David did it and whipped and drove back the Philistines. Check it out. Same guy, David. Same enemy, the Philistines. Same battlefield, the Valley of Rephidim. Two separate things to do. Why is that in the Bible? If you are going to win any battle, you need to know God's will. You need to go, God, what are you doing? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? I love this story in the end of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 27. Let's read this for a couple seconds here. The apostle Paul's on a ship. Paul's going to be going to Rome, and Paul's going to be defending his case as a believer in Jesus Christ that is a Roman citizen, and all these crazy people are trying to kill me. And he, he's going there. There's 276 sailors and, and shipmen on this ship, and it's getting ready to be a crazy storm. That's what the story's going to go. But he's on this ship getting ready to leave the harbor. Check it out what it says in Acts 27, 9. And when the time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because of the fast, it was the springtime, and the fast was already over, Paul advised them and said, men, I perceive that this voyage will, will end with disaster and much loss, not only the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman or the captain and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by the apostle Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised them to set sail from there if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a certain city called Phoenix, which was a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and the northwest, and we could winter there. We could stay there. When the, soft, when the south wind blew softly, supposing they obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempest headwind called a northeasterner, that's what it says, arose. Verse 15 finishes and says this. When the ship was caught, they couldn't head into the wind, and so they just let the ship go. Man, the Scripture says that Paul's on this ship. 
He's getting ready to go somewhere in the will of God. But Paul's got perception on the inside where the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, not his brain. He's not, he's not a weather forecaster. He doesn't know the winds of the ocean, but he's got perception. Perception in the scripture denotes insight, seeing and knowing, being led by the Spirit of God because he was surrendered to God. So God was speaking to him and God told him that I perceive, he says, that the voyage is going to end with disaster and much loss, not only of the ship, but of everybody on the ship. And sure enough, they went. So let me just talk to you for a few seconds about what not to do, what not to do based on this passage of Scripture. Is that number one, the sailors were impatient. Impatient. It wasn't the season for sailing, and they, they wanted to get on with their journey. They, 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 let me tell you something. If, you, if you're going to be in the will of God, you've got to learn not to rush. You've got to learn to wait on God's timing. You just got to learn to have some time that you get up in the morning, put a coffee on or something or while the kids are in bed and you got, you, you, you got to have some quiet time. I don't care if you've got to go in, in the restroom and lock the door and tell your husband, don't come in here. I just got to have about 15 minutes, me and Jesus, because I got to solve something. I got to hear something up in here. Or get in your car and go take a drive. I've done that for my whole life. Just me and Jesus and some music in the car, driving on some road where there's not a whole lot of traffic, just talking to God. I, just, I need assurance here because there's some decisions that I need to make because I've made some very impatient decisions that always proved fatal for me and did never work. So if you want to get out of the will of God, rush. If you want to be in the will of God, you better just pump the brakes. Second thing that happened is that the sailors actually took a vote. It says the majority decided, yeah, we should do this. Can I tell you something? The majority is rarely right. If you follow the crowd, you're going to go off the cliff. Listen to me. We don't vote on the will of God. Now let me qualify that. It does not mean don't seek wise counsel. It does not mean that that as Proverbs says, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. But at the end of the day, if you have the green light concerning a direction, and you've talked to people, you've got wise counsel, you've read the Word of God, you, you, know, you, look at, you look at the natural side, you look at the spiritual side, you look at the financial side if you're a business person, uh, you know, but, but rarely is it all going to line up concerning the will of God because... We're not after what anybody else says. God, what do you say here? The third thing they did is that Scripture says the sailors tested the winds. Tested the winds. Can I tell you something? Circumstances never dictate the will of God for your life. Me, Kimberly and I, passing up a $3,000 a month opportunity that was like a, like a ton of money back then, and, and taking a $1,000 a month opportunity, crazy. 18 years ago, when we moved from Canada to Chula Vista, we were making more money in Canada than we were making here. Rent was, my rent payment at my house was five times my house payment in Canada. Didn't make sense. But guess what? God says, this is my will. Will you obey me? Right? So we, we, don't, we don't follow circumstances. 
The last thing that the sailors did is the sailors sought ease. They just sought ease. They were actually, uh, what, what we know is that Phoenix was, a, was a, a port where the sailors would actually spend the winter. It was about 68 miles from where they were. And they're, let's just go there. Let's just relax. Let's just get there. It, let, let's, let, let's take the easiest way. Can I tell you, the easiest way might not be God's way. Can I, just, can I just say just a second? Just because you got a tough boss doesn't mean leave because that, a tough boss just can't be God's will. Where did you hear that from? Where did you, you hear that from? I got some difficulty in my marriage, so that must mean I need to find another man or another woman. Where did you hear that from? Where did you hear that from? I don't like every single thing in church, so I need to find a new church. Where did you hear that from? It's not the will of God. It's not the will of God. Man, there's a scripture over the Proverbs chapter 14 that says this. It says there's a path uh, that's before each person. It seems, it seems right, seems right, but the end is death or destruction. Can I tell you, you're going to have to be a person that follows the word of God, that renews your mind to the will of God, that realizes my life's not my own, and I want your, I want your hand on me, and I want your direction in my life, and I I, I'm going to surrender to it even though it doesn't look like it's favorable, even though it doesn't look like it's what I should do. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. I, I love this passage. Let me just kind of give you one more kind of bulky passage from the book of Acts. It's in Acts chapter 16. The Apostle Paul is with his team, and they're going from city to city preaching, and, and it says this in the message translation, they went to Phrygia in Acts 16.6, and they went on through the region of Galatia. Check it out. Their plan was to turn to the Asia province. Check this out. But the Holy Spirit blocked that route. The Holy Spirit blocked them from going. Not, listen, not the devil. God, the Holy Spirit, said, nope, you're not going there. So they went to Mysian. They tried to go north to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go there either. Jesus said, no, you ain't going there. You're not doing that. You're not going over there. Wow. One more time. The devil didn't block them. God blocked them. Maybe you're spending time praying against the devil when it's Jesus. That night, verse 9 says, Paul had a dream. A Macedonia person, man, stood up on a far shore and called across the sea and said, come over to Macedonia and help us. Check this out. The dream gave Paul his map. Then we went to work at once getting things ready to go across Macedonia. All the pieces came together. We knew now for sure that God had called us to preach the good news to the Europeans. The gospel came and reached Europe based on the will of God and the purpose of God where the Spirit of God said, no, you're not going there. No, you're not going there. And Paul evidently, the scripture doesn't say, but evidently is asking God, what do you want me to do then? Where am I supposed to go? Why do I have this thing on the inside? Don't go there. Don't do that. Why did you block that route? What do you want me to do? How come I tried to get that loan? And how come I tried to have that deal? And how come I tried to pursue that, 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 that education? And how come all the... God is setting you up if you'll let him lead you. 
That's why we pray regularly like this prayer in the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11, verse 2, that Jesus prayed. He says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your, come on, help me. Your will be done on earth. Listen, your will in my life be done. Not just the generic will for it. Your will in my life be done as it is as it is in heaven. Check this out. Let me read you this one more scripture. I, I, again, we, we've got this, we, we've got this road map, guys, in, in the Bible. We've got it. We, we, we can see it, how Jesus is going to do it. We, we see what Jesus did. So if Jesus had to go through this process, you're going to have to go through this process as well. Check it out what it says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Here Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating great drops of blood. He knows what's coming. He knows the cross is coming. He's prophesied it. He knows he's going to be killed. He knows the cross is, is where he is going to be hanging. He knows that. He knows that. But while he's there in the Garden of Gethsemane, I don't know if you've ever been there. I was there. It kind of looks across Kedron Valley. It looks into Jerusalem. He was there praying. He's got his, he's got his whole team there. Judas is getting ready to come into a minute and kiss him and sell him out. But he's got, he's got the other 11 that are there. And he says, sit with me here while I go pray over there. And he took Peter, James, and John and goes a little bit further. And he starts praying. He falls down. He says, help me pray, right? Help me pray. How many know you need some good prayer partners when you need to know the will of God, right? Yeah, help me pray, help me pray. And he says, he goes a little further, look at verse 39, falls on his face praying, saying, oh father, if it is possible, let this cup, let, let, let this pain pass from me. Nevertheless, come on, read the rest of it, not as I will, but as you will. This pain, this, this, this trouble, the, 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 I know what's going to come. I, how many of you know again? We've bought into this North American crazy thing. If it's tough, it must not be God's will. Guys, guys, don't go down that road. God's will many times is tough. It's going to be tough in marriage. Tough it out. It's going to be tough raising kids. Suck it up and raise them godly. It's going to be challenging submitting to a crazy boss. Submit unto God. Don't run. I'm saying very generic statements here. You have to process that with the will of God for your own life. But Jesus is in pain. He knows what's coming. Father, if there's any way that this can pass... Let it pass. Let, check, listen, he's saying this as a man in pain. Let it pass from me. But not what I will. Surrender to your will. I don't know about you, but I sure am glad he surrendered to the will of God. Because we couldn't be redeemed any other way. And can I tell you something? There's people that are waiting at the end of your submission to the will of God. Not where you and I say, I know, what I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to the city. I'm going to be there for this amount of time. I'm going to buy and sell. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to get my whole life. I've got this kids. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to retire, and I'm going to... we got it all figured out. And again, nothing wrong with the plan, but is God in the middle of that plan? Or have you said, God, what do you want to do with my life? I surrender my life to you. 
Lead me, guide me, direct me. I, I need your leadership. I want it. I'm open to it. And if you are, and you'll spend time in the Word of God, changing the way you think about you, about Him, about His purpose for your life, and you'll, I'll just say this, keep coming to church, hear the Word of God, get involved in, in a heart that's open through praise and worship to Him, and get around small groups, some godly people, shut down the noise in your life, all the crazy stuff, the squat box of life, <laughs> and not just say, man, what do y'all think I should do? What do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? Put out an email post, a Facebook post, or test the winds. This looks like a good opportunity. And just say, God, what do you want to do? Might not look great. I'm not going to be impatient. I'm not going to rush it. But I want your will in my life more than anything else. Come on, anybody like that beside me? Yeah, he's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. Come on, pray. Let's do it. Bow your heads. Father, no matter where we're at right now, you've got a purpose and plan for our life. If we've messed up up until now, you're a God who can unravel the mess. So we're asking you this morning to help us, lead us, guide us, direct us. We want to be like David. Same battlefield, same enemy. <laughs> Man. But you gave him two different things to do. We need to hear you like we've never heard you before. We've, so many in the room today have decisions that they're making right now that they're major decisions. I pray, oh God, today that we will listen to the voice of not reason or common sense only, but we'd listen to the voice of your word and your spirit. Thank you for that prearranged plan that's already blessed and it's going to be successful if we'll walk in it. I pray for the strength and courage of every man and woman here to walk out the will of God. While your head's bowed, your eyes closed, we always finish the service with giving you an opportunity to do it in a very practical and a real way, in a spiritual way, and that is by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ and giving Him the Lordship of your life. We've talked about it all morning. The Lordship of the of your life isn't your own. You're bought with a price, the Bible says, and now you've got to surrender and give God the direction if you want to see fulfillment and satisfaction that money can't buy, no house or trips or relationships can fully satisfy. Those are add-ons to the will of God. So if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, what we do around here is we're all going to say a prayer out loud in just a moment. I'll ask you if you've never prayed that prayer to raise your hand. Raise your hand. Maybe you're away from God today. Say, man, I need to get, I need to get back on track. And we're going to ask you to raise your hand and we, to be included in this prayer. We're going to pray out loud and there's going to be a spiritual transaction that happens.